Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple months, you've heard all about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. Want to go to the college football playoff? Want to see Oklahoma take on number one LSU for a chance to play in the national championship? Prices will drop close to game time, and you can use the app Game Time to get tickets to that massive matchup in the Peach Bowl. Now Game Time is hooking you up for the holidays with $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app. Create an account. Then under the billing section, use redeem code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem and it expires at the end of the year. That's January 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. It's not about what the outside world thinks. It's about what does, you know, what do you have in that room? And the best man wins and you give everybody a shot at it. The outside world doesn't see the summer workout on a Monday morning. They don't see that progress, but, but we as coaches do. Well, regardless of what the outside world thinks, we, we believe a lot in our defense. Hello and welcome back to the Outside World, the Athletics Oklahoma Football Podcast. I'm Jason Kersey. I'm joined on this post-game episode by my friend Eric Bailey from the Tulsa World, and we're here to break down a game that I would be surprised if any of you actually wanted to hear much about because it was a complete disaster for Oklahoma. The Sooners losing to LSU 63-28, to and that doesn't even really tell the story of how bad it was. They were down 49-14 at halftime. Joe Burrow had thrown seven touchdown passes at halftime. Eric... Uh, you know, this is just one of those games that they, I mean, it was just, they were completely out of it. No, I think it was just like watching an old Mike Stoops defensive coordinator day game. Uh, yeah, Joe Burrow, he was amazing. Seven touchdowns in one half, set all kinds of records, and, and then he ran for an eighth touchdown to start the second half. So just an amazing game. If you're an Oklahoma fan, it's hard to be about, encouraged about anything about this football game. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, I think that... You know, you, you just found, you just saw, you know, every, basically what they did is they proved everybody right who said there are three elite teams and there's one. They just got to throw someone else in there. And we actually saw that play out. Uh, we're recording here a little after midnight Eastern time, uh, and Clemson just uh, polished off the win in the Fiesta Bowl over Ohio State, but that went down to the wire, last-second last interception. Um, there, were, there were three teams that were really, really good, and there was one team. They, they just ha- they had to put someone in there, and Oklahoma spent all week talking about how disrespected they felt, but the, the bottom line is that was just the truth. You know, it's funny, too, and you really look at the significance of being that number one seed. You realize how important that was now. Look at the game LSU played, and look how hard Clemson had to play to beat Ohio State. So that one seed was so important. Now there's a 16-day break between games, but still you got to feel better, more healthier, better if you're LSU than uh, Clemson going to the championship game. Well, now LSU gets to play in New Orleans, which is practically a home game for them. 
Uh, if an Ohio State just has to be so mad that they got jumped for that number one seed, they would have played Oklahoma. They probably would have beaten Oklahoma pretty solidly, and uh, and then LSU would have had perhaps had trouble out in the desert against Clemson. Not saying they couldn't have won, but it would have been a lot closer, uh, I would imagine. So really, really interesting, uh, really interesting to sort of see how all that plays out. But I mean, let's t- talk about the Sooners here. I mean, just I mean, golly, man, it was just it was just bad. It was just bad. I mean, Lincoln Riley after the game said that, you know, well, we went blow for blow with them or whatever he said uh, a little bit early. But I never even felt that. Well, you know, you look at the, the all first three phases of the football game. Oklahoma got the opening kickoff, lost six yards, had to punt the ball. A 23-yard punt set Clemson, or excuse me, set LSU up in perfect position. Three plays, 57 seconds later at 7 nothing. Offense, special teams, defense, that really set the tone for how this day was going to be. That's that's a really good way to put it, and that's exactly right. I mean, it was it was uh, the the punt was was bad because Reeves Munchau has been really good this season. Um, I, I think this was the first time all season two they went three and out on consecutive drives um, at all this season. It was the first time, and uh, they picked the worst time to do it. Now they did tie the game up. Um, they really really nice catch by uh, C D Lamb. Uh, and as I think we all assume that that was his last game as a Sooner, and it's really too bad that you know, man, his his career ends this way in such a bad bad defeat. But also a season where, man, if he, I can't help but think that if he'd had a better passing quarterback, he could have been a Heisman finalist. I mean, the numbers he did this year. Yeah, you look at D.D. Westbrook in 2016, uh, he was a Heisman finalist because he had Baker Mayfield as a quarterback. You're exactly right. And you look at C.D. too. Late in the season, his last five games, he only had one touchdown reception, as many as Jalen Hurts had. Jalen Hurts also had a touchdown reception. That's how it went for C.D. to end his career. But I think we saw one of the best wide receivers in Oklahoma history over these past three years. It's just amazing the run he had. And I agree with you. This year would have been a breakout year if he had that quarterback, that Baker Mayfield. And that's that's the difference, and that's the thing that we you know people don't talk about. I feel like as much because Jalen's numbers were great when you look at the whole season. He was the Heisman Trophy runner-up. Um, you know he he has this great story that everybody is very you know he's a, he's going to go down as one of the most compelling figures in college football history because of all that he went through. Starting for both Alabama and Oklahoma, you know, two iconic college football programs. But the bottom line is, he was not. He is not the passer that Kyler and Baker were, and the offense was 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 worse off for it. Um, C.D. Lamb's season was worse off, worse off for it, and you know, last year when the defense had a little bit of a meltdown against an SEC team, a great quarterback, great team, they could at least fight, claw their way back because they had Kyler Murray. They, they were just not capable of playing comeback like that against a team like LSU. Well, you look at Jalen Hurts, and this offense, everyone knows it. It was predicated on the run game and what Jalen could do in his, his you know, with his feet. And you look at the two losses this year, 97 rushing yards tonight against LSU, 102 rushing yards in the loss to Kansas State. When the run game didn't get on track, that's when you, you had a rough time, and that's what happened to those two losses at Oklahoma. I mean, 102 and 97. In fact, Lincoln Riley, his five – Worst rushing games were all losses. Texas in 15, Clemson in 15, Houston in 16, and then LSU and Kansas State this year. Yeah, that's that's a good stat too, man. Uh, it is it is. <laughs> they they needed to be able to run the ball and they couldn't. And, and but see, but that was my takeaway from this. And and I don't know if you agree with me here, Eric. But like I, the way that I look at this season and this team is, they were. I feel like they were playing with house money this year. They 
obvious gap year to get them from Kyler Murray to Spencer Rattler. They bring in Jalen Hurts, who is completely not a fit in this offense. We saw that play out as the season went on. His, his passing numbers clearly dipped in, as they started playing better teams. Um, you have an offensive line that loses four starters who were all top four-round NFL draft picks. In the last two years, they've lost three starting tackles a year early. Um, you have a defense where Alex Grinch has made made – He's gotten the best out of these guys that he could, but they came up against just better athletes. They didn't have the depth. When Kenneth Murray goes down, they have to bring in a walk-on to replace him for a little while. I mean, uh, it's like when you think about it like that, this is going to be a tough pill to swallow, getting just your ass kicked like this on the national stage. And there's going to be a lot of people who say the Big 12 doesn't belong in the playoff. Oklahoma keeps screwing up their chances. But I kind of view this as this season, getting to the playoff and winning the Big 12 again you could almost feel it as kind of impressive that they did it with this team. No, I agree with you 100% because this team, Lincoln Riley will never say this, but this team really did overachieve with everything that they've done, with the way they found ways to win after that Kansas State loss. They play Iowa State, they play TCU, they play Baylor, these close, close games. They found ways to win. This was an overachieving bunch, and like I said, the coaches will never say that because they don't want to demean or disrespect their players, but I, I just think that's what happened this season, and it, it, it is a good kind of, re, I don't know if rebuilding is the right word but I really think it is because next year you look we had a look at the future tonight when Spencer Rattler took a couple snaps I mean that was interesting he got in there before Tanner Mordecai so does that kind of set the tone for what's going to happen in spring ball and uh, this is an Alex Grinch defense he's going to have to build numbers up depth is just so we saw the problem with depth when Darryl, Larry Turner Yell went down and when you lose Buki you got just inexperienced players out there so I think you're right this there was just so many question marks going in the season they're making strides but they still have work to do yeah, I mean, let's let's talk for a minute about that because obviously you lose Delarian Turner Yell, um, and you have to put in uh, just well Justin Broyles. Justin Broyles. You have to put in Justin Broyles, who was just completely overmatched. He was out of step the whole game. Then Buki makes a foolish, foolish mistake. Uh, really no excuse for it, and he didn't make any excuses for it. When I talked to him in the locker room after the game, I, I actually kind of respect how much he owned it. He was walking around the locker room. He was uh, apologizing personally to every player. Um, Buki's such a good kid, but... It was a, just a horrible mistake, and it just brought into sharp relief. The problems Alex Grinch has been telling us since last spring, I don't have any safety depth, and we saw that tonight. They do not have any safety depth, and that's why they're signing Bryson Washington, and they're bringing in all these uh, DBs, these big DBs that are fit in Alex Grinch's system, but they just do not have the horses right now. They play with three corners all year. Well, look at the game plan. LSU knew exactly what to do. Uh, Justin Jefferson had a huge game, but they, he was going right at Broyles. I mean, that's what that was the key. They knew where Oklahoma's weakness was, and they attacked it. You know, Justin Jefferson, what did he finish with? 14 catches for 227 and four touchdowns? That's an All-American type game. And then, uh, you know, and Riley did say this. They had been really getting uh, Broyles reps at safety and then when Buki made a mistake they had to move him to nickel put Woody Washington in the back and it was just a mess after that and by that time it was 28 21 to 7 I think when Buki went out and it just kept steamrolling so they just don't have the depth right now they don't have the numbers no they they don't and and it, it almost makes you understand now why I mean, Delarian Turner Yell had a broken collarbone, and the first day that we were here with Lincoln Riley, he sort of was, well, maybe he'll play. We, I mean, it was almost like he knew, you know, if 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 I give it away that he's not playing, then LSU's gonna game plan all around that, and they probably would have anyway. But it is, uh, it, it was, it was truly unbelievable to watch. Now we got to talk, I think, about Spencer Rattler because. 
you know, I think I, I'm trying to figure out exactly what Lincoln was doing there. I think maybe he was trying to give Jalen Hurts a curtain call type of thing by pulling him out. But putting Spencer Rattler in the game, Lincoln is so calculated. He knows how things are perceived. Tanner Mordecai has been the backup all year long. I, I, I don't know that he was trying to send a signal, but I think he did. The, and then the television cameras caught Tanner Mordecai, who did not look happy on the sideline. I think we all know or believe that this, the Spencer Rattler era will begin uh, in earnest this next year. But, I mean, that was that, did that surprise you that it, they didn't just put Mordecai out there just to avoid those kind of questions? Yeah, because me and Bob Prisbillo were in the press box. We were wondering, does Hurts play the entire game? And Bob said, you know, Bob said, no, probably not. And then we said, well, who comes in? And we both thought that Mordecai would come in because what kind of message would it send if you put Rattler out there? And sure enough, they put Rattler out there. I think the way the game was, I think – Lincoln, you know, like you said, everything he does is calculated. Maybe he put them out there to tell Oklahoma fans, hey, this is the future. We're not going to drop off. And, and not not just fans, but recruits. Here's the quarterback of the future. Here's what we're going to run with. And if you're Tanner Mordecai, I, exactly, you're not happy. He's almost like in Austin Kendall's shoes where we were at this exact point last year. Yeah, exactly, exactly like that. Austin Kendall last year, we were exactly in this point. The big difference, of course, is that Tanner Mordecai has not graduated, so he can't go anywhere and play immediately, and he's already used a redshirt season. So I, I will be very interested to see what he decides to do. But honestly, and this is, uh, this is just a guess at this point, I don't see Tanner Mordecai back next year. In fact, I think there's a chance he could even transfer before the spring. I think what, what we saw tonight at the end of that game um, was was a pretty clear signal about where they're going. The problem for them, though, is that they got no depth behind him. It's going to be, if, if Mordecai was to leave, it would be just Spencer. That's it. That's the only scholarship quarterback they have. And then they're going to have to hope to sign Chandler Morris in February, and there's no guarantee that that'll happen either. No, you're exactly right, and that's the key to this whole thing. And even if you do get a Chandler Morse, you only have two scholarship quarterbacks. I mean, the numbers, I mean, you look at Baker Mayfield, you look at Kyler and how successful they were, but you know what? Not a lot of quarterbacks are looking to come here right away when you're following Heisman Trophy winners. And it's amazing what what Lincoln Raleigh's been able to do with quarterbacks has been really impressive. Now he's going to have to prove it that he can get that high school guy or those players to stay in the system and stay throughout their career. I think Spencer Rattler is going to be the first one to do that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he will too. Um, man, what what else is there really to talk about here? I mean, it was just uh, it was such it was such a bad game. It was just such a bad game, and, and it was another example of this playoff. We everyone was clamoring for this playoff, and so far we've seen so many games like this in the playoff where they're just not even competitive and it's really too bad i mean i i it, it makes you wonder should there be should we go to eight teams or would we just be setting ourselves up for more of this or maybe we'd have a couple really good first round games and then the blowouts because right now there are there are a very very small handful of teams at the very top that are very elite and no one else i mean people can people can bitch about oklahoma being in it and you know, well, maybe Oregon. I think I don't think it would have mattered. I think there are three teams that are head and shoulders above everybody else. No, I agree. I mean, I was wondering, and everyone talked about how this was a good matchup for Oklahoma going against LSU. 
obviously it wasn't. <laughs> but I agree with you. There were three elite teams this year, and you had to have a fourth. And Oklahoma, to their credit, they found a way to be that fourth team. But it, it was tough when you went up against an LSU team that just really impressed me with the Heisman Trophy quarterback that they had. And the, even the defense, what they were able to do, just really slow Oklahoma down. Uh, OU only had 322 yards of total offense. That's the second lowest in nearly 70 games under Riley's play calling. So they took Oklahoma out of everything tonight. Yeah, they did. I mean, they LSU is an unbelievable team. We, we have to say that. And it's going to be really hard for for Clemson to beat them in New Orleans. I mean, I think Clemson's a great team, but, man, uh, OU fans know from 15, 16 years ago, it is hard to beat LSU in New Orleans. And I think uh, LSU will will have to be the favorite, um, uh, you know, for, for moving forward. I mean, w- so when you – in the post game, uh, Eric, uh, we'll kind of get out on this. I mean, what was the sense you got, you got in the locker room? I sort of got the sense from some guys are disappointed by the way they played. But I think everybody sort of knows that there is – there because of the way they're recruiting, because of the young talent – there's a chance that this Oklahoma team could be legitimately a contender. I don't know about next year, maybe next year, maybe the year after that. I think there's a sense in the in the locker room that 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 they're they're not that far off as even despite how horribly tonight went. Yeah, you know, and we got to talk to Alex Grinch afterwards, and he took all blame for this. He said that he should have coached him better. He didn't want to make any excuses for not having Turner Yale, for not having Buki or in, in the game. He said, we play the hand we're dealt, and he said we just needed to prepare him better, and he, he, he took all blame for that, you know, to credit to him. And he does understand that, like we talked about earlier, the numbers have to be better. But there's, there's reason to be optimistic if you're an Oklahoma fan, too, because this was just year one of the Grinch system, and you see how much they improved in year one. And when you look back at his Washington State, days they got better each year so the foundation is set now you just got to get the players you got to get those recruits on campus and you got to get takeaways that was something I still can't believe how much talk we did about this in fall camp even last spring about the importance of takeaways never happened this year that's incredible no you're right and that's an aspect of it I hadn't even really thought about but you're exactly right the takeaways Man, how many articles did you and me and Ryan Aber and Tyler Palmatier and uh, Bob Prisbillo and all of us on the OUB write about takeaways? It was such a focus, and they, uh, you know, really for the most part failed to do that this year. And and obviously, um, you know, I'm not I'm not saying one or two takeaways would have really changed the trajectory of this game. They were so overmatched, but man, you just never know. Um, there, were the, you know, and early in the game, there was the bad uh, pass interference, no call. That's not why they lost the game. That's not why they lost. The game. No, not at all. And going back to the table takeaways, only 11, 11 this whole year, seven interceptions, four fumble recoveries. So that's a low. I don't think Mike Stoop last year. I think they had what thirteen. Was, was it eleven? So it, yeah, so it stayed the same. So, yeah. but yeah, you know, you talk about the Jaden Hazelwood, the pass interference. You know, I asked Jaden after the game, were you nudged? He goes, oh yeah, I was hit. But sometimes you get that cost. Sometimes you don't. Lincoln Riley was going nuts at the time, and you know, like. He said that's not why they lost. They they wouldn't have won the game just because of that one call. But it it, it didn't help him at all. It didn't change much. I mean, it could have changed complexion a little bit, but not much. I mean, this was a good LSU team. Yeah. Eleven takeaways, the lowest in uh, recorded program history last year, and they matched that this year. Not what anyone expected from Alex Grinch in his first year. Still think he did a lot of really good things. Well, we're gonna leave it at that. Um, Eric, thanks so much for joining, man. It was really good to have you, and 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 thanks to everybody. I I had I did a podcast with Ryan Aber and Tyler Palmer. Here. I did one with Bob Brisbillo. I did one with George Stoya. Um, I did one with uh, LSU beat writer Brody Miller, of the Athletics. So we really had some some fun down here. It's you know that's the other thing, Eric. It's been a fun week. It, you know I know that OU fans uh, don't 
enjoy what happened tonight. But uh, it's been a fun week for us, and uh, you know, I, I hope everybody's reading all of our stuff and and enjoying it. Yeah, I've I've loved Atlanta. I've never been here. To, you know, we never Oklahoma's never been to a Peach Bowl, and the people here are a plus. I can't, I, you know, from the the bus drivers to the people in the media hospitality room, the people that helped us in the workroom. This was an awesome bowl to cover, and I really really enjoyed it. I didn't know what to expect coming in because you know Atlanta. What well, you know, I just didn't know, yeah. and I I just been impressed with everyone here. Yeah. First class event. Matt Garvey, uh, who runs PR for the uh, Peach Bowl. Uh, is an OU guy himself uh, and did an unbelievable job. Well, Eric, thanks for joining. Thank you all for listening throughout this season. Um, we'll get everything sorted out as far as how the podcast schedule will go during the offseason. I'm not entirely sure of that yet, but we'll figure it out. Uh, but thank you all so much for listening and, and uh, being along uh, for this journey this year. And uh, we will talk to you all soon.